In this episode of Upward Calling, we talk about the importance of influence. Welcome to Upward Calling. We help Christians develop a relationship with God by talking with University Church of Christ evangelist Josh Creel and Dr. Kenny Embry. Listen as we take a deeper dive on a lesson from a recent Sunday service and help you apply it Monday through Friday. How you doing, Josh? You know, Kenny, I'm, I'm doing pretty well, but what I had anticipated last week has come to pass. The humidity is back. The cool, <laughs> the cool morning temperatures are not here right now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not August or July, but right. you know, I, I was, I was hoping for fall, an early fall, but you know, we'll get our typical fall come December 27th or something like that. So All I'm right, okay. Josh. I'm okay. You live in Florida, Josh. There are advantages to there, this. There are. There, there are. are advantages. That's true. That's true. Let's, let's, let's think about January and February. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. If, if someone is, uh, you know, listening to this and I don't know why they would be, but living in Minnesota or something, then, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think what I have to say is going to hold a lot. No, 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 no. Poor us. We live in <laughs> paradise. Okay. <laughs> this, this past week you started talking about uh, bad influence I, one of the things it, I, I really appreciate that because this this kind of goes into that conver- that larger conversation that we've been having that is definitely not a series. Um, and really, one of the things I, I ask you to do is what is influence in general and specifically what is a bad influence? Yeah. So, Kenny, you and I were talking about this off air last week because there's a book that you and I read um, as a part of a, a um, book club. Mm-hmm. It was called Hold On To Your Kids, and mm-hmm. forgive me, I've, I have forgotten the, the author's name at this point, but I can yeah. go back and look that up. Um, and it was all about influence. It was all about how within our culture over the last few decades, peers, I'm sorry, uh, teens and, and, and kids are much more attached to their peers than to right. their parents. And so what the influence has has done with that. And the example that I used in the sermon is one that they used, and that was of the compass. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the compass is influenced by a magnetic field. That's why it will point north or give you directions north. Right. Uh, There's an influence being exerted on it. But by the same token, there are interfering influences that can then give a bad direction or a bad reading, and then you are lost. So. How I define influence then is influence is is what's steering you in a particular course. It is right. pointing you in a particular direction. And so bad influence, as we are looking at it, is then what is it that's steering us away from God? What is it that's steering us away from his intentions and his purposes for us and the good that he has planned for us? And so we have those influences that are good. And those influences that are then negative, and I, and we determine that by okay, is it directing me toward God or not? Right, right, yeah. Well, and it, let, let me the the authors of that is our new Feldman Mate, and you. let me also give a shout out in a podcast to Edwin Crozier. Edwin yes. is just a, a dear friend and, and and an excellent gospel preacher, and by, reads uh, about twenty books a week. I tell you what, Edwin is prolific, and he's just a smart guy, and he was the one who suggested this book, and I am yes. very grateful to him for, for doing that. And the, the premise of the book is parents usually often give up influence far sooner than they should. 
mm-hmm. that they that they often outsource the 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 raising of their children, although they don't see it that way. They just feel like, well, they need to go off and make friends. But but the the kind of the upshot of the book was. You need to be intent intentionally be a good influence in your children's lives longer than you think you probably need to be there, right, right. because they don't have the experience that they don't have. Yeah, and and the people who are who you're at, at who you're saying are going to be bigger influences, they don't have any more experience than your ch- child does. They're usually pretty poor guides. Um. And I, I I thought it was a great book. It was I, I loved the book when we read it. Yeah, it's a little it's a little dated uh, in mm-hmm. that you know it it touches on briefly at the end uh, the the challenges of technology. But you could tell you know this is this is written before the smartphone has become the dominant you know right uh, piece of technology that every child has now. Uh, right. You know they were they were hinting at that, talking about that a little bit. But I think if they went back and and rewrote it, they would certainly spend a lot more time in those areas. Oh, I, I think so as well. well. Let me ask you this, because if bad influence is just so bad, why would anybody follow a bad influence, Josh? Yeah. And, and so, again, not to just uh, give people what this book is all about, but, and, you know, and, and for any parents that are, are listening to this, I would I would it's a book I think both of us would recommend that they Absolutely. listen to. Yeah. So the point they're making is, as you said, kids don't know what they don't know. Right. Um, there is a lack of maturity. And with that is they fail to think about and to see what's next? You know, what, you know, I I can see where this choice would, would provide the immediate gratification, but what does this choice then lead to following that? And that's what we were looking at in Proverbs chapter one as well. The sin is enticing, but the, the, the father, the wise man is telling his son, okay, I'm not denying that it's enticing because he, he says, don't be enticed by sinners. So that, that, that says right there, okay, what they're offering is an enticement. But I'm going to show you, here's what happens in the end. I'm going to, with my maturity and my life experience, be able to show you, okay, everything may be great at first, but here's where it leads. And it's not to a good place. Right. Another biblical example that I would give is, you know, think, and these are not just kids. Think of uh, the generation that God led out of Egypt. And then when he calls for them to go and take the promised land, well, there was an influence. There were 10 spies who came back and says, we cannot do it. So the immediate, shall we say, gratification there is, okay, if we listen to these guys, then we don't have to be afraid because we're not going to go and try. We don't have to worry about those giants and the walled cities. What Joshua and Caleb and Moses would be trying to do though is, okay, we know you're afraid right now, Let's look beyond this. Let's look beyond the the giants and the walled cities and let's see God. And let's see God as being on our side. And also you need to consider what does this mean for our relationship with God if we refuse him? So right. there were the um, combating influences there. Some were trying to point them toward God, but the dominant influence on the people at that time was pointing them away from God. And so to great tragedy on their part. Which kind of leads into the next question that we we're going to talk about, and it's it's in my opinion a, a really important question. Which is, in your sermon, you talked about that people who are being a bad influence don't necessarily have bad intentions. 
why are they still not worth following? I mean, shouldn't we judge people by their intention rather than what they're doing? Yeah, well, that is kind of how we're operating as a world right now. Um, yes. So going even to, and, and I do hope that this has made, been clear throughout these four lessons, uh, we have used a, a cultural hot button. We've used mm-hmm. the transgender issue within our society to look at what does God say about our bodies? What does God say about gender? What does God say about feelings? What does God say about influence? But that hot button is a way for us to consider these principles and understand these principles are actually influential in a lot of areas in our lives that we all need to be thinking about. But, you know, think about the transgender argument. And, and so why, why is affirmative, affirmative care the dominant course of care? Why is that what uh, the mainstream media is saying, or just mainstream culture in general is saying, yes, just, just affirm, approve. And it's not necessarily a malicious intention there. No, there, no. There's the fact that, okay, here's someone who's struggling. They think this is who they are. And so I want to offer them solace. I want to offer them some comfort. I will walk with them down this road. I will affirm them and I will encourage them. But what we've done is we've said, okay, how they are feeling is the most important thing. All right. So it's not a malicious thing to say, I don't want someone to feel bad. Right. But what's not seen is, okay, I've affirmed a feeling, but I've done greater harm to a person. And so I think that's where we have to see it. And so again, for our kids, you know, their their friends are not necessarily bad people. Their friends are are oftentimes very good kids. But those friends, they want... They want my kids to be happy. And what they think that means is, okay, whatever they think will make them happy right now, let's do that because we want you to be happy. Well, I also want my kids to be happy, but I'm looking at a long-term happiness. I'm looking at a happiness that involves their entire person and not just how they're feeling right in this second. So my kids' friends are not bad people. They don't need to be the, the dominant influence on their lives, though, because they're simply not thinking about the bigger picture that I'm trying to think about. Right. I don't know, Kenny, what do, you, what do you think about that? I think you've diagnosed the problem, which is well-intentioned people, not just my kids' friends, people around me all the time, get out of your marriage because it's not making you happy. Get out of these relationships because they're not making you happy. And really what they're doing is they are taking their value system, happiness, and imposing it on you with the very best of intentions. They want you to be happy. Look, I don't want my kids to be unhappy, but that is not the most important thing that I want for them. I want them to be in a good relationship with God because that gives them significance and value. Yeah. I would far rather they be unhappy and significant than happy and useless. Yeah. And so I I think that's a hard thing to see especially at 11, 12, 13, you know, uh, because we all see the immediate satisfaction of happiness. Yeah. 
but there is a more important value out there. And that's not what they're counseling my kid for. Right. They're counseling my kid with the very best of intentions for a value system that will not serve them well in the long run. Right. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, I'll use an example here that I, uh, we have to we have to divorce ourselves from the failings of the man. But Kenny, you're probably like me in that when you were younger, the Cosby Show was appointment viewing. Oh yeah, Thursday yeah, yeah. evenings every night with the family, you watch the Cosby Show. Sure. Well, you remember the first episode, the pilot episode, and. Bill Cosby, Theo Huxtable. I'm sorry, not uh, uh, Hux. What was his first name? Theo was the Theo son. was the the, the son. Yeah, the son. So that's what so we're getting to though. Cliff, Cliff Huxtable. Uh, so Cliff yeah. Huxtable goes up to his son's room, and his son has this whole spiel about you know what he plans to do with life. And he's not going to go to college, and so they go through this whole thing about well, how are you going to pay for this? How are you going to pay for this? And at the end of that, Theo gives this impassioned speech about. You know, why can't you just love me as your son? You know, and, and, and the basis is, don't you just want me to be happy and love me for who I am? Right. And that leads then to the father after this very, you know, <laughs> this, this pause and there's all this applause from the audience. And he says, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard you say in your life. <laughs> I remember that. I remember but that. It's, it's, the, it's that whole point. The father is looking toward the long-term happiness, the long-term benefit for the son, and not just being caught up in, oh, don't, why can't you just love me and let me be happy with who I am right now? Right. Well, you don't need to stay who you are right now. That, that's, that's staying immature. That's not growing. That's not being a whole person. That's not being who God wants you to be. And right. so that's, that's why there are these ageless conflicts between parents and children because we're always looking at what should come next and how should mm-hmm. they gr- grow and develop more. And of course that leads to them, the, the tension. That's exactly right. And you know, the, you know, I'm going to go here, Josh, Josh, which is, I do think this, because we're talking about parents and kids and peer attachment and them, them being a little bit too influenced by their friends. Don't miss for a moment that what we're really talking about here is God and our attachment to God versus yes. our friends of the world. Yes. Because, it, again, I will say this, and I have said this a thousand times, I, I think families were given to us to represent right. spiritual truths. Right. And God is telling us to do exactly the same thing. To that, I am, to that I am, point. Yeah, go ahead. I, I chose to use Proverbs um, for our, our text on Sunday. The other passage in the running was 2 Corinthians 6. Mm-hmm. Because in that, Paul is trying to get the Corinthian saints to pay attention to him because he's trying to point them toward God. Right. But of course, within that context, he also says, do not be, uh, King James says, unequally yoked. Do not be, we might say, unduly influenced by the world. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the same point. It's exactly what with the, the family metaphor is Proverbs. The church is what Paul is dealing with in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and our relationship to God. And are mm-hmm. we going to let God and his chosen messengers be the dominant influence in our lives? Or are we going to be unduly influenced by the world? Yeah. You mentioned 1 Corinthians chapter 6 there. Second. Second. Okay. Then let me take you to first. 
which is in the first Corinthians chapter six, he, he, he makes the point about you guys are taking each other to court and you're, you're being stupid about that because the courts are trying you according to a value system that is of the world. Yeah. And he makes the point, just suffer wrong because those values are not nearly as important as the values of your heavenly father. Yeah. Get along with one another. Learn how to get along. Those values are not worth being compared. Again, I get, yeah, going back to that that whole thing. So again, we've been talking about the importance of parents and kids. One of the last things you started talking about was this idea of church as a community. What does it mean that the church is a community? When we think of community, we we think of mutual investment. Um, I have a community in which I live. Um, I, I try to be I try to be a good neighbor, but you know, Kenny, I don't know about you. I know the people who live two houses, three houses down either side of me. Mm-hmm. My community doesn't go a whole lot further than that. Now, that doesn't mean that you know, if some if a neighbor's you know house down the street was on fire, would I not rush out there to try to help them? Of course I would. You know, and if I, if I knew of some need, you know, would I would I try to help them? Well, of course I would. But yeah. I'm not close to them. We don't have daily conversation. So me understanding what needs they have. Unless it's something huge, you know, something, you know, where attention is drawn to it. I, I'm just not going to know that. Right. The community of the church, though, that's that's where, you know, ultimately we as God's people, that's where we're going to find our real community. That we are are with a host of other believers and, and God wants us to view it as a family. That's thus we're brothers and sisters. Uh, he's our father, and even Jesus is our brother, and so he wants us to to view it in that communal uh, relationship, where there is mutual care and mutual understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, a passage I even had this in my um, I had this in my notes, but I just I didn't get to it, um, I, and it wasn't even time wise. I just for whatever reason kind of uh, went over it. Um, but Hebrews chapter three. Uh, the author uh, makes this point in verse 12. He says, Take care, brethren, that there not be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. He's writing to Christians. He's writing to saints. He's saying this is a distinct possibility. It happened once with Israel in the Old Testament. Make sure it doesn't happen to you. So there's the individual responsibility. Don't depart from God. Don't be unduly influenced by the world. But then in verse 13, he brings it to the community. He says, but encourage one another day after today. I'm sorry, day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. So there's my individual responsibility. Don't have an evil, unbelieving heart that departs from the Lord. But then there's a communal responsibility look after each other mm-hmm. day after day, as long as it is called today, encourage each other. That's the language of community. That's, 
investment in each other. And so God is saying the church, and again, this all goes back to you know the family metaphor, we are what can influence each other and point them toward good. And that's very important because you know we have talked about the ideal of the family. But the ideal of the family does not exist for a lot of people. Right. I am thankful to God. I have the ideal of the family with the relationship that I have with my parents. And I'm I'm trying to forge the same with the relationship with my kids. Mm-hmm. I understand that is not the experience of a lot of people. Right. But they can experience that in the church. Right. Right. And I, I think you would agree with this. I think it also speaks to the importance of hospitality, that part of what we have to do, it's, it's one thing to meet every Sunday morning and to see everybody on Sunday morning, and that's certainly important. But a lot of what happens on Sunday morning is just name recognition, face recognition, and having basically a, a short conversations, which, which small talk is not small. But it also means you need to get to know these people outside of the building as well. That hospitality allows you the opportunity to get to know people deeper and form that community. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. All righty. Let me ask you this. How do we in the community become good influences to one another? Good influences or good influencers? Because if we're going to be good influencers, we probably need to get a TikTok account. <laughs> um, well, we become good influences because it, it goes right with what you're saying. You know, a lot of what we do on, on Sunday morning, you know, we, we come to worship. We're in, we're in an auditorium with 400 plus other people. Right. You know, even then, so to go back to, you know, my analogy, I know the, I know the people who live two houses down, three houses down on either side of me. That's right. Well, that may very well be what your, your church experience is like too, when it comes to the public assembly. That's right. You get to talk to the people on the row beside you, the row behind you. So that of course can be broadened out. Um, The foyer and what happens in the foyer before and after services I'm not going to say it is as important as what we do during worship. Uh, God being the center and the focus of what we do in worship is always going to be the most important thing. But extending our time and and being able to communicate with others and to be able to get to know each other, the neighborhood devotionals that we're doing on Sunday evenings, those are invaluable opportunities for us to spend time in a smaller setting and get to know other people. Because if I'm going to influence somebody, I have to be a part of their lives. I have to be in, involved. I have to have a connection. Uh, and, and so that's that's one step. And, of course, the other part is, okay, I need to actually be talking about good things. I need to be pointing in the right direction myself. That's the mm-hmm. only way I can then be a good influence is if I'm walking toward God myself. And then I can influence others to do the same. Yeah. I first John the fourth chapter. I just think I I think about that passage a lot uh, because one of the things that John says there is if you say you love God but you hate the the brothers, you don't really love God at all. And really, anytime there's not anything that God needs from us, but He wants us. But every time you try to, He almost always points us to one another. 
that that idea of you guys need to be able to get along because that is showing your love for me. When did we see you hungry? When did we see you naked? When did we see you? And when you did it for these people, that's when you saw me. That's when you helped me. That's when you showed you loved me. So really that, that relationship with God is very much conditioned on our relationship with one another. If we try to separate those out too much, I think God's going to say, you need to consider your brothers and sisters more. Because quite frankly, I don't need food. I don't need water. I don't need clothes. I don't need anything that you have, but your brothers do. And as you give it to them, recognize that I'm the one that you're actually giving it to. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's that's an important thing that's that's awfully easy for us to to lose, which is service to one another is service to God. Absolutely, does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, because we are we are the temple, we are God's family, and what you do unto one of the least of these, you do unto me. So that's a, yes, absolutely. So let me ask you this: Why is influence something that's important in God's upward call? Well, we'll go back to our compass. <laughs> the upward call, that, that's, that's directional. Yeah. Well, what points us there? God is, God is calling us to Him. So His Word is pointing us to Him. His Son has pointed us to Him. But He also wants us to point each other in the same direction. Yeah. Uh, let's all be marching together down this path together and you know, arrive there together. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, and I think you'll agree with this as well. If you don't know people at church, you can wallow in guilt if you want to. But why don't you just introduce yourself to somebody yeah. at church? Yeah. Get to know somebody else's name. And yeah. you are absolutely 100% right. 400 people, awfully intimidating. Why don't you start with one? Yeah. That would be a good place to start. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You're going to be talking next time. Yes, I'm going to preach on Sunday. We're going to return to our our yearly theme, the remnant. We're going to talk about, you know, if the remnant embodies this this idea of a a few, a small number Mm -hmm. who are, you know, belong to God or following after God. We're going to use an occasion from the, the story of Nehemiah to look at what does that mean as far as our treatment of each other, our care for each other. Uh, so, you know, kind of goes right along with what we've been talking about for the last 10 minutes. Yeah, that's exactly right. All righty, man. Well, I'll tell you, well, why don't we talk about that next week? Sounds good, Kenny. Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get to know us more, you're welcome to watch a live stream service or join us in person at the University Church of Christ in Tampa, Florida. The sermon we referenced in this episode is in the show notes. We have all of our information at universitychurchofchrist.org. Until next time, God bless you in your walk with God.